This is The Widow Podcast and I am Karen Sutton, The Widow Coach. I'll be supporting you through the loss of your life partner so you can find a more positive way through your grief. I want to give you hope after loss and to know that when you are ready, you can create a meaningful life for yourself with the help of me, Karen Sutton and The Widow Podcast. Welcome to a very special episode of The Widow Podcast. We are celebrating a milestone today. It is our 100th episode. It's a momentous occasion and I honestly, I couldn't be more grateful for the incredible journey that we have all embarked on together. I never in a million years thought that when I started this podcast, I would get to this point, but I have and I am so proud of it and all it has become. As a widow myself, I understand the pain, the loss and the unique challenges that we face on this path. But today we come together not only to commemorate this achievement, but to offer solace, strength and wisdom to those who find themselves in the depths of grief. In this episode, we will be hearing from fellow widows who have generously shared their words of wisdom, their experiences, and their hearts with us. And I'm so grateful to all of them. When I reached out to my community with an idea of what I wanted to create, they were so supportive in helping me put this episode together. You are going to hear from ladies from all over the world, all different ages, different circumstances, different experiences. But together, they have all found themselves in a place they never dreamed possible. Now that's not to say that their lives are now perfect and their grief is resolved. That's not what happens. Grief is not a problem to be fixed. It is something that we learn to carry forward with us, something that we learn to live alongside. There are no solutions, but what is important is the mindset that you face it with. That's what I believe matters most and is what you will hear in the stories that will be shared today. They all have a mindset, a determination and a perspective that has carried them all through their darkest days. It's a slightly longer episode than normal, but feel free to break it down and listen to it in bite-sized chunks. Listen to a couple of stories at a time, but please make sure you listen to them all. There's some gold in here and I would hate for you to miss any of it. I also want you and invite you to save the date for Thursday, the 11th of January, 2024, 7pm UK time, 2pm EST, 11am PST, because I am going to be throwing a widow's podcast party for everyone in my Zoom room, where we are all going to come together. We are going to connect, share and talk to people about our own experiences, sharing our own words of wisdom so that you can find your way through your journey in your own unique way. It's going to be wonderful. So make sure you listen to the end. There's going to be a lot more information for you and you'll understand and be told. (laughs) I will share with you where you can sign up to join us for this wonderful, wonderful event that I am going to be putting on. And not only will we be celebrating the podcast and sharing our wisdom with each other, what a lovely way to go into the new year 
side by side, walking into it together. January is a difficult time of year. Going into a new year is always very hard when you feel like you are leaving a loved one behind. So please do save the date and make sure you listen to all the lovely, amazing, inspiring stories that are going to be shared with you today and listen to the end where I will share how you can sign up and join us in January. So whether you're a new listener or you've been with us since the beginning, I want you to know that you are absolutely not alone in your journey. This podcast is a beacon of hope, a safe space to connect and a source of inspiration for all widows out there. We're in this together and today we extend our hands in solidarity, sharing the lessons and love that have carried us through. Thank you so much for being a part of this community. Now, let's begin this journey of healing, growth and connection together. Hey, I'm Sam. I'm 45 from Perth in Western Australia and my husband Reese passed away about eight months ago now from a sudden cardiac arrest. So in the blink of an eye, my world turned upside down And I felt all the feelings, but I would say in those early days, the biggest two that probably were, um, I, that were in the forefront was vulnerability. I felt extremely vulnerable, not having my safety net and my person here, my soft place to fall, you know, my, my security blanket, all my sounding board, like all of those things. So I, I, yeah, I struggled having to make decisions for myself and for our kids and knowing that that pressure and that responsibility falls on me from financial decisions to, um, you know, just decisions with the kids and school and things like that. Like it was extremely raw and I felt like I was naked out in, in the bush and nothing there to protect me. But I worked through it and just basically felt like I just had to put my big girl panties on and and just just go with it and trust that I can make these decisions and and it's going to be okay. And that's exactly how it panned out. I I just went with it and so far everything's turned out well and everything's been okay. But I am okay with you know if I get it wrong, it's okay. I'm I'm just figuring it out. So um. I'm good with that and definitely feel better about it now. And then the other one is probably the loneliness and not so much from not having support around me because I definitely do have that, but loneliness from the perspective of no one I know has lost their lo- has lost their person. And it feels extremely isolating that it's not just about being sad that your person's died. Like I have learned so much about grief and all the secondary losses and all the extra things that come with it. That's where like the isolation and the loneliness comes from. Um, so again, being the problem solver that I am, I went looking on ways that I can try and, and not fix it, but help myself. So I found many support groups like on Facebook and followed people on Instagram and yeah, listened to podcasts. And I've just completely immersed myself in trying to understand grief because I felt like if I understood it, then I would be better able to help myself work through and heal um, and come out the other side because everything I was reading was painting this picture of grief to be doom and gloom and, you know, basically your life's over kind of thing. And I was like, that's not me. I, I do not want that for myself. 
to say I resisted it 100% to my core, yeah, that was me. I was like, no, if that's how it's going to be, what's the point of even being here? And then I stumbled across the Widows podcast and listening to the first episode and, you know, painting the picture that, you know, you can rise and life would be good again, just like resonated with me 100%. It was like Karen was speaking my truth, that I knew that life could be good, good again. It may not be easy and it's going to take time, but life was here to be lived. But with that came many realities that basically I had to do the work. Time in itself was not going to be enough to heal me. So what was scary and uncomfortable was that I needed to sit in the discomfort. And when having waves of grief come by and having, you know, all those low and sad feelings and the overwhelm, that I had to lean into it because feeling them was essential and necessary. And I can tell you, what well, it's not easy sitting with all those feelings. I mean, the first thing you want to do is just to distract yourself and push it to the side and bury it. But I find, and I have realized with myself, I definitely feel better after the fact, you know, once the wave has passed, I definitely feel like I rise and come up stronger by allowing myself to sit in the discomfort of those emotions. And that's been hard to allow myself to be vulnerable like that. So then with that comes, you know, other tools and strategies, you know, that, that I use now to try and support myself. Um, one is just to be kind to myself, especially when I'm having low days and griefy days is to know that, to be kind to myself, that, you know, this is part of the work that needs to happen. It's part of the fact of, you know, my love for my husband and that, it, and that it's not forever, that I will come out the other side you know, having community and feeling a sense of belonging and being around other people who have lost their life person as well has been immensely helpful. And for me, exercise and eating well and prioritising my sleep have been a godsend in regards to, you know, when, I, if, when I'm sleep deprived, I, like the world is just already a worse place to be in and it already is that already. So, you know, I have gotten better at sleeping and I do exercise, you know, quite consistently and, and regularly and I definitely fare better for that. And finally, um, you know, there's been a, you know, a few things that have surprised me in regards to my grief and what's been the biggest thing that I have learned about myself and about human beings in general is how resilient we all are and I'm way stronger than I ever gave myself credit for. I knew from the moment I got told that my husband had died that I would be okay. I didn't know how I was going to be okay, but I just knew it that I was going to be fine, me and the kids were going to be okay. So now at almost eight months into my journey, I'm, I am feeling a little lighter. The waves of grief are definitely still there and very much unpredictable, but I find myself being able to come through the other side quicker than I did in those first few months. I notice I'm not down as long as I used to be. And I definitely feel that the fog, the shock, is starting to wear off a little. And, you know, while I'm still trying to figure it all out, life definitely um, feels like being able to find some meaning and purpose in it is doable. Whereas in those first few months, I, I, it was just like, I, I, I don't even know how I'm ever going to find any meaning and purpose. But doing the work of, of my, you know, my healing with my grief, I definitely feel better for it. You know, the time has passed, yes, but I've also put in the work. And while I am definitely still a work in progress and I definitely still have my low days and my bad days and days that it's just hard to get up off the floor, I'm, I'm hopeful 
that I, I'm going to be able to figure it out and to be patient with myself and not to put too much expectation and pressure on myself. I've definitely, yeah, am at more peace with it all. And finally, just knowing that I know my husband is with me and cheering me on and is rooting for us all. And yeah, I just know we're going to be okay. So my name's Jan, I'm 61 years old. I lost Neil, my husband and partner for 40 years, coming up for two and a half years. He had pancreatic cancer. And today I'm feeling pretty miserable and I was just about to voice note my best friend who is my sounding board for good things and bad things, but. I thought instead of doing that, I will get my thoughts down on this voice note to Karen. I thought it would be a good opportunity. It's cathartic talking, and while I have good friends and family, it's not the same as sharing your feelings and thoughts and worries and concerns and your achievements, etc., as it is with the women in the widows group and the widowers. Because who can possibly understand what it's like to, to lose a life partner? It's, death is something we all, all dread, both for ourselves and for our loved ones. But you never expect that your husband's going to die age 58. Yes, we had our ups and downs, but he was part of me. And only the other women in this group understand what that really feels yes all grief is awful I expected to lose my parents they're still in their 80s and going strong thank goodness but I never expected to lose my husband and I've been a member of Karen's group for about 18 months I think and I've met some incredible women who are so inspiring and we're all on our own separate journeys um, grief is an individual thing, it, not, it, it's not one size fits all. But I've realised that it's not just me sitting in my own little space, wallowing in, in self-pity sometimes or trying to be positive. There's a whole community of us, all different ages, all different circumstances, all different backgrounds. And while... Of course, you wouldn't want anybody else to suffer this horrible feeling, but thank goodness I found this community because it honestly has kept me sane. I am what I call a glass-half-full person all the time. I like to think I err on the side of positivity and optimism most of the time. In fact, I think it's one of my strongest tools if things get bad. I kind of flip it with saying, but it could be worse, la, 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 la. But it's quite a gung-ho sort of attitude. It does work for me, and it's my strongest tool. But sitting here today, I don't know whether it's because it's, Christmas is coming or because I've got a cold and I feel under the weather. I also have Parkinson's disease, which I manage really well. And like I say, the positive frame of mind. But just sitting here now, I'm thinking, oh, it'd be so much nicer and easier to bear if Neil was here because he, he always made me laugh. 
his sense of humour was what attracted me to him in the first place and it was still there till the very end. And I miss that. I miss doing nice things to the house. I've, I've had a reconfiguration of my house and I've got a nice cosy area in my kitchen and it's beautiful and cosy and and it's exciting but it's not the same when you haven't got your partner to share it with and the other women in the community get that and I have been surprised how I've changed over the last 18 months even down to going to the Christmas gathering last December in Cheltenham it's about two and a half hour drive from me but one of the best things I've ever done, along with the Widow's Choir recently, I'd never have felt that sense of togetherness with my friends. As I say, I wouldn't want them to go through what I'm feeling, but that has been the best thing that I could possibly have done in this journey. And I think I've probably rambled on for too long now, but now I'm going to run to my best friend now. And... I'm sure she'll make me feel better. Hi, I'm Debbie. I'm 57 years old and I live in Hatherley in Devon. My husband Adrian died of a dissection of the aorta on the 18th of September 2021, the day my life changed forever. Um, in the beginning, there was I remember there being long, dark days and not being able to see to the end of the first day, let alone past the first day. I remember sitting on the sofa and my daughter's, I went to stay at my daughter's to start with, and just scrolling the internet looking for an answer of when I was going to feel better. It didn't matter when it was, it could have been tomorrow, it could have been six weeks time, it could have been six years time. I just needed a date that they said that you know that's when you're going to feel better and then I had something to work towards but of course I quickly learned that there was no date there was nobody could give me that the answer to that um, um but because I was scrolling the internet rewording that question time and time and time again um the grief searches and things come up on my Facebook page and on the internet and so one of the first things that I found was Widowed and Rising so I asked to join that group um, from there I signed up to Karen's Remember and then um, the following year I enrolled in the 12-month program for Finding Hope in Widowhood all of which have been life-changing. The groups are just phenomenal the support from the other members the little WhatsApp groups that Karen puts us into, that the, it's, it's just been brilliant. You have to do it with the Finding Hope in Widowhood. You have to be prepared to do the work. Um, it's a, it is a 12-month programme and you do the modules, you work through them, but it makes you do a deep dive into yourself. It makes you find out what you want um, and, and look at everything. Um, and it has just been, it's been phenomenal. It really has been um, so helpful to me. I was really determined from the beginning that I wasn't going to be defined by my loss. I was going to find a way and try and work through it. Um, I went back to work quite quickly. Uh, I had, uh, I think I had about six weeks off completely. And then I did a phase return over six weeks. So after sort of three months, I was back to work full time. Um, but I did then drop back to 32 hours because I, I couldn't cope with the completely full time because, as we all know, we've got twice the amount of work with half half the workload, half the workforce. Sorry. So I did reduce my hours. Um, I've joined lots of groups, um, 
lots of them based around grief, um, widows and widowers. I've joined lots of walking groups. Um, they've been they've been great. I've joined a walk group where I go out once a fortnight, which is absolutely brilliant. Being out in nature um, ticks all the boxes, so that's been really good. I've done some volunteering in a local garden. Again, that's that's been really helpful for me. So really, for me, the group side of things has been has been what's got me through. I've embraced opportunities that have come my way. Um, anybody that's invited me to something, I've said yes if I can, if I can possibly do it. And I've learned that I can have fun and I can laugh as well as when I'm grieving, that the two can go hand in hand. Um, and it is okay to have fun and it is okay to laugh. I realised that, that healing wasn't going to come to me, that I had to do the work and go out and get it. Um, if I wanted to be healed, I had to be prepared to, to work on myself, which I've done. Uh, I've struggled with a couple things, so I've quickly learned to find ways to avoid that and actually letting people know nicely why I don't feel that I can do a couple things at the moment. I've overcome all sorts of challenges during the last two years and three months. I've done things which I could never have imagined doing. I've driven on a motorway, which I'd never done before. I've done 51 miles on the motorway on my own. I would never have done anything like that. I've been on holiday on my own with um, other groups. I've met people on my own in places I've never been to before. All of these are way out of my comfort zone. So I really have surprised myself. I live here on my own with my dog. I've done lots of DIY things, which I would never have in, imagined I could ever do so yeah I, I really feel as if I have sort of you know sort of learned lots of things that I've gone through like everybody I don't have all my ducks in the in a row I have moments where you know things are overwhelming and I and I seem to sort of slip back and you have days where it's things aren't so easy but I know now that those that those days aren't permanent I've learned to be kind to myself I've learned to sit with the feelings um and I and I know that it is a lifelong Thing. that's always going to be part of my life now and, I, and I've accepted that um, but I do feel I'm in a really good place now and I could never have imagined this two years ago that I would be where I am now and have, have um, done things that I've done in this last two, two years um, but I know I, it's continuing work in progress My name is Colleen McGuire and I'm 65 years old. My husband's name was Charlie. We were married just shy of 42 years when I lost him 20 months ago to lung cancer. He was diagnosed in January of last year and gone in three short months, leaving us reeling, my three children and I, at the loss of his larger than life presence. He was the calm in the storm of our family. I knew almost immediately that I needed to find other widows. I felt like an alien with, quote, normal people. It was as if Charlie was transformed into whatever we become when we leave this earth. But I was transformed, too, into a person I didn't recognize. I was completely and utterly changed. Yet I had to stay here on earth with all these people whose lives hadn't been turned upside down and who walked around oblivious. Couldn't they see my three heads or my alien eyes or my broken heart? I wanted to scream, my husband died. Why are you acting like nothing happened? And the people who tried to help, but who aren't in this club that none of us wanted to join, they always seemed to say the most ridiculous things. I needed to find my tribe, my sisters, my sister widows, and I needed to find them fast. 
Within weeks, I found Karen Sutton's widowed and rising Facebook group and her podcast. Within a couple of months, I had joined the Remember community, and it's become my lifeline. It's a touchstone for those of us who know what this new alien life is like, and it enables us to go out into the world and cope. So what have I learned 20 months since I became a widow? Probably the most important thing is that there is no destination on this journey. There's no cure or eureka moment where the hurting stops. I was in such a rush in the beginning, wanting time to hurry up so I would hurt less because, you know, time heals all wounds. It doesn't heal, but it does help ease the shock and anxiety and sadness. I have learned that what we should do is slow down, something that does not come naturally to me. In my hurry and determination to be strong, because that's what I expected of myself and thought Charlie would want, I wasn't processing my feelings. We have to allow ourselves to process the feelings. They constantly change. So it's good to feel them and recognize them and know that they are a natural part of grieving. I've also learned to look to other widows who've been at this longer than I have and to see that there's hope. There's life and laughter. Sometimes there's even new love. But the loss and memories and grief will always be there too. Our new selves, our new lives, go on with the loss and memories and grief as our companions. They bring us comfort and sometimes even joy. We begin to feel gratitude, gratitude for our person when they were alive, not just the pain of their death. So the idea that we will ever get over it or that there is a timeline to grief is rubbish. Ignore the people who act like there is something wrong with you because you are still grieving. Forgive them. They're still earthlings who just don't know. To use an overused cliche, grief is a marathon, not a sprint. The difference is that there is no finish line. So pace yourself, hydrate, stop and rest. Massage the aching muscles. Go to the aid tent when you need to. Celebrate the milestones. Celebrate yourself that you have come this far and keep going. You are seen. You are understood. You have thousands of us running alongside you. We will carry you when you think you can't go any further. And I know I will be carried when I need to be. We are widows. We have been through the worst. And we are stronger in numbers. Don't grieve alone because you are not alone. Karen has created something so important, so life-changing, so life-affirming. We are rising because of the community she has brought together. Her humility won't allow her to comprehend the enormity of what she has done. But Karen, you are amazing. Thank you. My name is Joni Garrett, and I'm 62 years old. I live in Salt Lake City, Utah, in the USA. My husband, Ron, died unexpectedly on February 3rd, 2022, of a cardiac arrest. Those first six months, I felt so lost, empty, and unsure of my purpose in this life. We had plans. We had both just retired, bought a fifth well and a truck, 
Now we're going to travel the United States. Needless to say, my life turned upside down. My oldest daughter said, you need to find someone to talk to, someone that understands how you are feeling. I had done counseling before and knew I didn't really want to do that again, but I was uncomfortable thinking of meeting with a group of widows. I didn't know what I was going to do. Then I had a friend that I grew up with that I hadn't seen in years. She messaged me. She was a widow as well, but had been one for many years. She was from England and said, I've been thinking a lot about you, and I think you should check out Karen Sutton, the widow coach. She said she is a lot like you and, like you, lost her husband unexpectedly. I said I would, but I really didn't think much about it. But her voice stuck in my head. I finally looked up online and read Karen's story and felt connected very quickly. I found out that she was holding a retreat in England or that she was starting a year-long program in February. I was really leaning towards the retreat because February was so far away. I decided to email Karen and ask what she thought. She was quick to respond, which surprised me. And she was so helpful and authentic in her suggestions. She said she thought the program would be a better fit and that I could join her Remember group to help through the holidays. So I decided, what the heck? My daughter was thrilled. I was very apprehensive. The thought of meeting on Zoom with a bunch of widows seemed a little crazy in and of itself. But I decided to stay with it and step out of my comfort zone. I really thought there was no way these people could be as sad and empty as I was. But I was surprised how open and real the conversations were. Not only did Karen and the others share the struggles they had experienced, but they shared how they were rising. They made suggestions on things that helped them maneuver through this journey of grief. Every once in a while, I'd think, will I ever get there? Will I ever have the peace that some of them seem to have found? I started finding hope in widowhood in February. I was committed to doing the modules and to following the challenges Karen suggested. Early on, she asked us to set three goals that would help us. She told us they didn't have to be big, but they needed to be specific and we needed to be consistent. I chose exercise, 15 minutes a day, journaling before bed, writing my thoughts to Ron and feelings, and prayer. At first, it was hard to be consistent, but I could hear Karen's voice in my head, just do it. So I did, and I was amazed at how much it has helped me. Though they weren't big, they helped me to remember to stop and lean into my grief. After six months of the program, Karen challenged us again to do something out of our comfort zone. I have, to be honest, most of this is out of my comfort zone, but I took the challenge and decided I wanted to know if I liked traveling by myself. I flew to Boston, Massachusetts, here in the United States, and spent two days by myself. It was okay, but I did learn I don't like to travel alone. I like to share the experience with someone else. But I did it, and I now know that I can do it. A couple of things that I have learned through this program that I hope to keep throughout my life is, first, to not just react to things. 
to pause, to take a breath, assess the situation, and decide how you I really feel before reacting. Ask myself, can I reframe the situation in a more positive light? The second thing is that this journey, there have been many times I have been frustrated with people and wished they would give me some grace in the situation. But I realized I was asking for grace without giving grace. This journey is not linear. It's full of twists and turns, ups and downs. But I have learned so much, and I think I'm a better person because of what I have learned here. I have been blessed to have been married to my best friend, the love of my life. We have many memories together and things, many things he has taught me to help me navigate this part of my life's journey. And because of the things I have learned in this group from Karen and the others, I can now, most days, look at the memories with more joy than sadness. My life has been changed forever, and it's been changed for the good because of Karen and this group. Hi, I'm Wendy. Uh, I'm 52, and I'm from the UK. Um, I live about an hour north of London. Um, My husband was Richard. He was 52 when he died um, from a cardiac arrest. He died very suddenly. Um, It was a massive shock for me and all his family and friends. Um, And yeah, so everybody's different. Um... These are some of the things that worked for me. Um, In the very beginning, um, I did two types of counselling. One traditional, where I just sat and cried and talked about Richard. The other one with a specialist PTSD counsellor, where I did lots of different sort of techniques and tools, like um, visualisation and EDMR. So counselling was good in the beginning, useful. Um, It's a cliche, but having a dog, (laughs) having a dog got me through. Holly, our border terrier, um, she got me out of the house every day three times a day for her dog walks um I got out in fresh air and nature um she's something to love she's company you know a physical presence in the house um when I was out walking her that was really sad to start with because I used to walk her with Richard and I was on my own so what helped me there was listening to podcasts listening to Karen's podcasts um Because in the beginning, you think that you're the only person that this has happened to, that you're the only person in in that amount of pain. That's how I felt. None of my friends are widows. I didn't know any widows. So just sticking on my headphones, listening to all these different widows talk to Karen about their story and how they'd managed to sort of get through the early, early uh, months um, and how they'd rebuilt their life. That was really, really helpful. Just just hearing those voices as I was walking outside um I came off Facebook that was really useful I didn't want to see happy family photos I didn't want to see my friends with their husbands it was all just a horrible reminder of what I'd lost um I didn't want to see everyone carrying on with their life as normal when it felt like mine had stopped so yeah coming off Facebook that was a good tip um and also I was quite clear with my friends I think very early on I sort 
sort of had boundaries. They would they would try to cheer me up, which was great. But obviously in the beginning, you can't be cheered up. But anyway, they would ask me around and stuff. But I said I didn't want to see them if their husbands were there because it was just a reminder to me of what I'd lost. So, you know... It, I said it was it was really good of them to think about me, but if they wanted to spend some time, could we just spend it, you know, like a all girls thing um, without any husbands there? Because I didn't want that reminder. Um, so telling them was, you know, worked. They they were they seemed okay about that. Um, so don't be afraid of saying what works for you and doesn't. I didn't really journal, but I had a little book I got from Amazon that said, look what I did. And basically every day you just wrote down what you'd done. And that was weirdly helpful because it felt like at least you were moving forward a bit, you know, celebrate really simple things like I got up, I had a shower, I um, ate a meal because um, everyone was telling me to eat. And obviously I, did, I didn't want to eat in the beginning. But yeah, taking a multivitamin every day is good. One of those dissolvable ones in water. To, at least if you take one of those every day you, you've had something um until you can sort of force yourself to start eating a bit of something again um smashed avocado on wholemeal bread with an egg on top <laughs> that was my go-to that got me through quite a few days uh, in the beginning um so structure i find structure really helpful i still do now over two years in i joined a local leisure club um not cheap but a really good investment uh, and i wrote out a sort of timetable of what I was going to do every day um, I had the luxury of not having to rush back to work um, I was off work for three months um, basically I just cried and slept and cried again but I think that time was important um, Karen always talks about leaning into your feelings and it's hard to know what that means sometimes but I think you know just let it all out, cry just keep crying, just just feel it all and it's horrendous that those early days of raw grief are horrendous but I think you have to go through those before you can start rebuilding or, or I did anyway um so every day now I do an exercise class zumba yoga ballet fitness whatever um swimming um and exercise does make you feel better I never believed it but it does it's like a natural antidepressant I force myself to go sometimes but I feel so much better when I've done it and also sort of feeling physically fit helps me mentally it helps me to be mentally stronger if I'm actually physically physically fit I started all sorts of different hobbies I was just trying anything anything that was a distraction that took my mind off the fact that Richard was dead and um, randomly tap dancing I've taken that up I still do it that's amazing you focus on your feet you don't think about the fact your husband's dead it gives you like that moment of just respite from from your thoughts um that's great cold water swimming I do I still do sticking yourself in a freezing cold lake takes your mind off everything <laughs> it's worth it honestly um what, oh volunteering I do volunteering um just to give me a sense of sort of meaning and purpose um I work from home and I've got sort of flexible hours so I've got time to do this but I work for a charity called Read Easy uh Every week I do just two half hour lessons with an adult who can't read. Um, you don't have to be a teacher, you get trained. Um, I did other stuff in the beginning. I worked with riding for the disabled. I was a sidewalker whilst a disabled kid was on a horse. Um, I was a mentor for, for a, um, a foster kid um, through Bernardo's. Um, yeah, just try anything 
anything is worth trying. The worst possible thing has happened to us, hasn't it? We have lost our husband. Um, so j- just go for it. it. It sort of made me fearless, really. I'll try anything. It's worth it. If it sparks a little bit of joy, um, do it. Keep doing it. Keep building on that. Yeah, just say yes to stuff. I did a painting class last night with a with a friend who asked me, um, you painted this picture step by step with some woman teaching you at the front whilst you had a glass of wine. Um, yeah, for those three hours, all I was focusing on was the painting, not, um, you know, how uh, sort of badly my life had turned out, whatever. I am waffling now, but yeah, get out, exercise, volunteer, get some sort of structure to your life, um, some purpose, some meaning by doing things, helping people and connect with other widows. I cannot stress how important that is. That has helped me massively. I wouldn't be where I am now in my journey if I hadn't found Karen. I've done two other programs now. I've met with widows from all around the world every week. Uh, They've given tips. You know, we've talked about how we can help ourselves through things. We've got ideas. We've cried. We've laughed. We've just supported each other on this um, crappy journey. Um, you know, and you've, my friends don't know what it's like, but but these widow friends do, these new friends that I've made. I've, I've met them in person. I came back from Washington, D.C. recently, having met um, a couple of American widows that I'm really, really close with now because we've, you know, spoken for over a year, over a year. And that connection is just amazing. Uh, I, I came back from York recently with another two of my sort of widow besties that I spent a weekend with. Um, I've been to events like Widow Choir. Um, I'm going to retreat. All this sort of stuff. You just have to force yourself to get out there and to connect with people and it does make you feel better. The grief never goes away. You're always going to miss your person, but it definitely becomes easier to manage. So there is hope. There is hope, but you've got to do the work. You've got to build a life that's meaningful enough to carry the pain. My name is Moraig and I'm from New Zealand, but currently living in France. My husband, Brian, died from cancer in 2021. He was 64 years old and fit as a fiddle at diagnosis. It was a massive shock to us both. After 18 months as his caregiver, I was exhausted and his death, although expected, totally devastated and broke me. The physical pain of the loss surprised me and was just too much to bear. I immediately started searching for help a solution, something or someone that would fix me. I just wanted the pain to go away. I googled day in and day out, listening to podcasts, reading books, joining Facebook groups and searching for a panacea. Three months after my bee's death, I found Karen's widowed and rising Facebook page and then her podcast. Finally, I had found someone with whom I could resonate. Being a widow herself, I knew that she got me. I feel fortunate to have found her so early in my journey as I quickly learned that I didn't want my widowhood to define me and the rest of my life. I didn't want to still be mourning in 10, 15, 20 years' time. I binged the pods over three days and joined her Remember community, which literally saved my life. I've learned that we cannot heal in isolation, 
Finding your tribe of others on the same journey as you is vital to surviving grief and growing to become the person you will be without your loved one. Knowing that you are not alone and that the horrible things you are experiencing every day in your grief, others are also experiencing is life-changing. Thanks to Remember, I was connected to four other widows with whom I now have weekly Sunday night chats. We are friends, we are sisters, and we are there for each other. We cry, we laugh, and we understand each other. We support each other and offer suggestions for growth when appropriate. During the 18 months after my bee died, the waves of grief would engulf me with regularity. The pain of that grief was visceral, and at these times I would retreat to what I named my back cave. I would close the shutters of my bedroom as somehow darkness was comforting. I would pull up my duvet and allow myself to just sit in my grief. I would cry, scream, eat junk food, drink wine, watch Netflix and come out the other side feeling just a little lighter and a little stronger. I would get on with my life until another grief wave struck and then rinse and repeat. As time passed, my time in my back cave reduced until eventually, 18 months into my journey, my back cave was closed for good. After 18 months of remember and bi-monthly connection with other, other widows globally via Zoom, I took a leave of faith and joined Karen's Finding Hope in Widowhood 12-month program. I'm now six weeks into the program. I can feel a definite shift in my mental health. However, the first few weeks were hard as I felt forced to relive some of this journey and felt my emotions were out of control. But I soon found that others in the program were experiencing the same heightened emotions, which was comforting as it normalised my feelings. I am finally in a place of acceptance. My bee has gone and I am alone in this life. Next month will be two years since I lost him and I am excited for the future. I still miss him terribly and grieve his loss and the loss of our future together. However, the pain of that loss has diminished to the degree that I know I can survive this life without him. Minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, do whatever you must to survive until glimmers of joy appear and you will find your purpose in your new life. I'm Lula and I live in Devon and I'm 53 and my husband, darling Manfred, died two years ago. It was sudden and utterly unexpected. He had an aneurysm, an aortic aneurysm, so it was just very, very sudden. And he was such, such a strong, vigorous man. No one was expecting it, so it was utter devastation. So that was two years ago. And just before Manfred died, a couple of days before, he'd really um, connected with this beautiful tree outside. It was a staghorn tree and he'd photographed it. And I, the day after he died, 
I really connected to this tree and I collected one of the fallen leaves. It was autumn, so there was that. Everything was dying. Everything was falling away. But I really held on to this leaf. And from that day to his funeral, I collected one of those leaves, those fallen leaves, every day. And eventually, when it was his funeral, I placed the 18 leaves on his coffin. And somehow this process really helped me to um, stay together. It really held me, that, that, that process of gathering and that rhythmic action. And the next thing that's really helped me is a journal. So I do a journal every day and I've done this for the last two years. And, you know, some days, some days it's just a date and I always put his initial there, M, Manfred, that's really important. And some days that's all it is. Some days there's a word that comes into my head. Sometimes it's a memory. Sometimes I am just pouring my heart out to Manfred. And sometimes, you know, I do a little drawing or I get a memory or I stick a flower in there. I press a flower and stick it in there. So this process can take a long time. I can get really involved in it, but also it can just be take a moment, just a minute to do that. And I always find that no matter how bad the day is, if I do that journal, that just, that little gesture, it just lifts my heart a little bit. So that's another thing that's really helped me. And the other thing is I've made some grief dolls. About three months in, I started making a little figure out of clay and it's only the size of my thumb. And I then kind of was examining, I turned it over and I saw another figure. And it reminded me of one of those dolls where there's a, a happy face and a sad face. And it was so symbolic of, of the two sides of life, the luck life life and death and yeah just so symbolic and I thought oh this is Manfred and I and I really leaned into this process and I started creating these little grief dolls and as I did that I was really thought oh what do I need today from Manfred do I need a hug do I just need protection because he was very protective and he was a real proper man solid man and, and I love that about him so yes yeah, some of the little grief dolls are very protective and cocooning and others you know when I get in touch with my my joy and the gratitude the 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 little figures are really dancing and and joyous so those figures have really helped me because some days I've just been absolutely diabolical. I remember particularly coming home from work and in the early days I just couldn't, I couldn't face it. So I used to walk backwards. I'd walk backwards along the road, through the gate, up the path because I, lit, I just literally could not face the house I couldn't face going into the home and though that was hard 
that was a hard, hard time. And of course, there's other places like that. There's lots of places where I feel this dread. But actually, recently, I've managed to turn those feelings around a little bit by making little um, nature-based sculptures on those sites. So going to those places very intentionally and um, gathering some of the materials and then creating a little memorial for Manfred. So this connects me to him and it really, really lifts my heart and, and kind of gives meaning, which is, is very beautiful. So these are a few of the things that have really helped me on my journey. Um, it's always really good to find something that can just soothe our hearts a little bit. And I'm wishing you all the love and compassion on your journey. And please go gently. My name is Kerry and I am 52 years old. I am married to Jeremy. Jeremy was 50 when he passed away on the 27th of November 2020, so three years ago now. He died of a rare blood cancer called multiple myeloma. We have two gorgeous daughters, Charlotte is 17 and Emily is 15. Uh, Jeremy and I met when we were both 20 years old I was actually 19 and um, we met at university so we had 30 years together um, and I would say we were best friends he still made me laugh normally the same jokes 30 years on um, we had a really incredible life we traveled the world quite extensively so much so that in 2007 when Charlotte was just one year old we moved to Dubai for Jeremy's work and we spent 11 years there. Emily came along shortly after we moved there in 2008. And we spent 11 years there um, living a really magical life and having an amazing adventure. And that was until March 2018 when Jeremy was diagnosed. That was a massive shock, um, but even more so because we also had to up sticks. We had to come back to the UK very quickly because multiple myeloma, the stem cell transplant that was required, could not be performed over in the UAE. So we moved back to the UK. We moved back to Jeremy's hometown in Bournemouth on the south coast of the UK. Sadly, Jeremy only survived for two and a half years, passing away at home uh, with just the three of us with him. Um, and I emerged as a widow amid COVID to a very, very different life that I had had two and a half years prior. As I said, it was Jeremy's hometown. Um, I had very few friends here. Uh, Jeremy's family, his parents had both passed away. So I had a very, very small network of maybe one or two friends. Luckily, I had some very good friends in the UK, but they were a few hours away. So I emerged as a widow in a very new environment and very lonely. However, in the first year, I just threw myself into charity work. I think I raised about, we've raised about £88,000 so far. And I was desperately trying to show the girls that 
uh, we could still have this amazing, wonderful life. So I don't think I really faced my grief until year two, when I came absolutely crashing down with exhaustion. And I went to a very sad, a very painful and an incredibly dark place. Life was very much an endurance test and I felt it was almost like being in a waiting room, just desperately waiting for the time when I could go to Jeremy. Um, It was not a very pleasant place to be. But I actually look back on that time now as a bit of a gift, really, because it was by facing my grief that I was able to start the healing process. And what I would say to any widow is to advise them to embrace the grief as painful and as dark as it is. And I would love to reassure you that it won't last forever. You think it will, but you'll soon discover that um, the waves of grief won't be coming at you quite so thick and fast. I'm three years in now, and yet the pain still hits me. Um sometimes very, very hard, and I will go back to that dark place. But I know now that I won't go there for very long. Um, I have now started to rebuild my life. I'm very, very proud of the friends that I've made. I've had to put myself out of my comfort zone. Um, So I've made new friends. We've moved house. Um, I've established and built up a really, really beautiful home for the girls. And I look back and I'm really, really proud of myself and proud of what I've achieved. I couldn't have done it, though, without finding a positive community of people around me. I didn't find, I didn't join up to Karen's group early enough. I wish I had, but I did find her really positive podcast, which I became addicted to. Um, So my advice to any new widow is to reach out, try new things and rest assured that the pain won't last forever, but you must face that grief. You must take yourself to those periods of deep, deep sadness. I now know that I want to live life. I don't want to be in the waiting room anymore. I want to embrace life. And Jeremy met and fell in love with a really positive, bubbly girl, and I want her to survive. A big part of me did die when Jeremy died, but I realise there's a huge amount of me that's still there, and I'm actually even stronger now. And I want to live life. I want to live life not just for me, not just to show my girls, um, and to live life with them, but I also want to live life for JB so that when the day comes that I do meet him again, I can tell him about all the amazing adventures I've had. I am will always be desperately, desperately sad that he is not with me on these adventures. If I could have one wish, it would be that he was here. I will miss him forever and ever. But I have to continue living because staying in the waiting room is not living and it's just too painful. So I am sending you all so much love 
and I wish you strength and resilience and I hope one day you will look back and you will be proud of yourself because you really, really will survive this. Hi, my name is Debbie Dawson and I live in Birmingham in the UK. I am 59 years old, but was widowed six days after my 54th birthday when my 53-year-old husband, Paul, died of a heart attack suddenly and unexpectedly in March 2018. My eldest daughter was 27 and my youngest daughter was 23. When I look back, my journey has changed so much over the last five years. Um, initially, the shock, the devastation, trauma and pain of losing Paul consumed my whole being. I never thought I would find a place where I felt peace and contentment ever again. I don't think I realised how numb I was for at least the first 12 months and when I look back, I think it was my brain's way of protecting me from the downward spiral that mine and my daughter's lives were thrown into. The true enormity of what had happened didn't really hit me for a, a couple of years. I just tried to cope with life one day at a time. Um, along with the emotional roller coaster, the never ending paperwork, my mind never being able to switch off. So many questions for which I had no answers, trying to just get my head around the day-to-day -day tasks. It was so scary to think of what my future now looked like that I absolutely refused to go there. The challenges felt as though they just kept coming, but it was the secondary losses that I really struggled with. I'd lost my best friend the one person who had truly had my back and I could lean on, no matter what. The father of my girls, our rock, my confidant, my, my lover, my holiday companion, my chef, my DIY man, the list was just endless. One thought that I always kept coming back to, though, was that this could not be my final chapter. I had to find a way to move forward with my grief I'd always loved life and I just didn't want to think that I'd never find joy again. I needed to hold on to this thought as I tried to navigate this situation that I now found myself in. Finding Karen Sutton and taking part in her first ever Finding Hope in Widowhood group was like shining a light into a very dark tunnel. As soon as they came across her Instagram... I resonated with so much of what she was providing and what she stood for and it made me feel as though I had literally been rescued. I no longer felt alone as I settled into being a part of this group and I've continued to be a part of Karen's Widow Support Group for over three years now and I do truly know that the secret to moving forward is the power of connecting with others who truly understand. Even though all our journeys are unique to us, it creates a very special bond. So over the last three years, I've achieved more than I ever thought possible. 
Not only do I now feel equipped to deal with my grief and I understand my grief and understand widowhood, but I've learned skills which allow me to deal with life and whatever comes my way now. I've worked hard and deep dived into my grief to learn and connect with myself more than I ever thought possible. And being a part of Karen's group has made me question myself, my values, who do I want to be, what do I want. I've learned to take back my power and use it in the best way possible. I have found appreciation and joy in life. The sadness will always be there, obviously, but it doesn't consume all of my heart anymore. I found a way to still have a loving relationship with Paul. It's very different, obviously but it's still there and it brings me so much comfort. I now believe in myself, I know what I'm capable of, and I'm now able to live my life with purpose, for which I'm so grateful. I have found peace. My name is Alison. I'm from Dundee in Scotland and I was widowed very suddenly four years ago, aged 38, when my husband Raymond died in a kite surfing accident. We had a 14-week-old baby son and a four-year-old daughter at the time. They are now a thriving, spirited eight-year-old girl and four-year-old boy who have taught me more on this journey than I could ever teach them. It's been the craziest few years, with so many difficult transitions along the way. Our journey as a family of four was only just beginning, and then suddenly finding myself as a solo parent, still in the chaos of postpartum and sleepless nights, a widow in my 30s, going into lockdown just a few months later, and then finding myself stranded on the other side of the pandemic as the world reopened and people celebrated in a kind of post-lockdown high, getting their lives back to normal, I didn't even know who I was anymore. I'd basically white-knuckled my way through the first 18 months. I was definitely carried by shock, adrenaline and numbness, and I got up each day with the purpose of simply keeping the kids fed, safe and loved. And that was it. That's all I could manage at first. The trauma springboarded me into a state of hypervigilance and I was terrified to the core of anything else going wrong. I hadn't been able to protect the kids from the biggest tragedy a child can suffer and everything felt so unpredictable, especially when COVID hit the UK. I felt like I'd to somehow overcompensate for what was lost and I set myself up against completely unreasonable expectations which were only compounded by the messages embedded in culture to do more, to do bigger. There are some incredibly inspirational widows with a very visible presence on social media and I thought I should be keeping up but I just couldn't. I couldn't reach for the stars from the trenches of grief or from my bathroom floor. The stars were too far away. I was on a different path and it took a while to see that. We all have different histories, different challenges, different strengths, different levels of support. And my route through grief was going to look different to the highlight reels I was seeing on Instagram. 
I felt so strongly about the imbalance content online that I started writing a book that is basically the opposite of Instagram and is about a very ordinary woman doing a hard thing, hoping to help other ordinary people with their hard thing. I actively stopped seeking bigger and greater and I wanted to seek personal enrichment from the things all around me. When I began to notice that it was the little things I missed from my life with Raymond and the little things that matter more than anything to the kids, I tried to move my attention and energy towards what was right in front of me, my family, the adventures right on our doorstep, jumping waves in the sea, climbing trees in the woods, watching sunsets with a hot chocolate or building dens out of bed sheets and relishing lazy morning snuggles. I really believe that a profound loss opens your eyes and your heart to what actually matters. At first, my toolkit was completely empty, but I added one thing into it, which was writing, and then slowly added one more thing at a time. My journal was just really a place to unscramble my thoughts and free up headspace to deal with the demands all around me. I tried hard to let go of comparison and to find ways to fill my own cups so that I wasn't pouring from an empty one. And most of these things were virtually impossible during lockdown. That really was survival mode at its finest. But now I've accepted there are things that I can't control, but also things that I can relinquish control over. There are usually things I can just drop from my load. I've learned to say no to things. That was hard at first, but I've learned to say no and to sit with the discomfort of receiving help because that is still something I don't find easy. I carve out time to do something for myself each day whenever possible and that's just things like having a walk in nature, reading in bed, having a bath, listening to a podcast or an audiobook. And my needs now are different from what they used to be or maybe that it's just that I'm more in tune with my needs and actually listen to them better. But things that are soothing, comforting or freeing, those things meet my needs much more these days than something like a night out or a party. It's taken years to be able to do this, but with practice, I've learned to accept all my feelings and sit with whatever comes up rather than rejecting them or trying to control them. I really do now understand that there is no right or wrong way to do grief. And probably the thing that has helped more than anything has to be building a village around myself and this might not look how you imagine or like other people's your team might be family and friends but it might also look like childminders neighbors a cleaner and other people from the widow community Connecting with those who are on the same page has been essential for me, absolutely crucial. When we go through other transitions in life, like adolescence and new motherhood, things like that, we tend to walk alongside peers going through it at the same time and we have readily accessible support. But widowhood can be such an isolating experience. I would recommend support groups to anyone grieving the loss of a life partner and I find that younger widows and widowed parents raising young kids alone can find it especially hard to find others on a similar journey. Joining Karen's membership and the friendships I've built since joining have been such a lifeline for me. It was daunting at first and I remember sort of just peeking in from the sidelines before becoming more active in the group but joining was the best decision I made. From one grieving heart to another, one widow to another, 
I would say to find any little things that fill you up in any small way or or give a glimmer of joy and do more of that then hold on to those things as tightly as you can Wow, how incredible are all these lovely ladies. I am blown away by their words of wisdom and all that they have achieved. How are you feeling? How was it for you? I would love to know. Please share, leave a a review, let me know in social media, send me a DM, comment on a post. I really would love to understand what you got from this episode, what really stood out for you, what words of wisdom really struck a chord that you will take away with you. It's always lovely to know and they've left a real mark on my heart and I would love to hear how they have impacted you as well. hope it has given you the opportunity to reflect on how far you have come and all you have achieved on your journey. I think what really stood out for these ladies when they did this was that they took that time to look back and reflect and recognize how far they've come and what they've done to help them get there. It's amazing. It really is amazing. And I think it's, it's quite enlightening when you look at it and sit with that and think, do you know what? I've done that. I've done that. Wherever you are, however far you've come, recognize that you've come this far. Take the time, share your story, share your words of wisdom. It's amazing because you too are incredible, just like the ladies that you've heard speaking today. This podcast has helped thousands of widows, widowers, and surviving partners. And I want to celebrate this momentous milestone of 100 episodes. I started this podcast because there wasn't anything out there when Simon died, not anything that I could find. And I wanted something that I could access. Now, not something that was just people talking about their experiences and their losses, but something that helped me to rebuild, something that gave me the tools, the inspiration, the motivation, the hope to build a life after loss, something that helped me to believe that that was possible and that gave me the ability to do it for myself. And that's exactly why I've started this. I've shared so much. We've had so many incredible conversations with remarkable people. And you really could take so much. If you implemented a tenth of what you've heard, you could transform your life. And I really think it has. You know, I know people have used this podcast to help them through their grief and it has been incredible for them. I never thought that I would achieve this. When I started, when I thought, do you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to speak to people and see what happens. I honestly, I had no idea that this is where it would take me. I don't know where it's going next, but do you know what? I love it. I love it. And I love the community that we have created around it. It's incredible. I feel so much. I'm sad it had to happen, but I'm happy it did. I know none of this would have happened if Simon hadn't have died in the first place. 
And that's pretty rubbish. And I know none of you would, none of you would be listening either if you too hadn't lost your person. And that's rubbish. However, I'm so proud of how we come together in the darkness and create light. It's just so powerful. Something so beautiful has been created from a nightmare. And that's tragic and uplifting all at once. Now, this is not how I saw my future, and it's not how you saw yours, but here we are, unexpectedly connected by tragedy and heartbreak. And I don't want to let this moment of 100 episodes pass us by. This is huge, right? This is huge. I feel like this is really big. This podcast has been a lifeline for so many of you, and for me also. So I'm inviting you to something very special, my widow's special podcast party. I want to see you in my Zoom room and I want to connect, share and celebrate this moment and ourselves. It's going to be on the 11th of January. It's a Thursday in 2024, 7pm UK time, 2pm EST, 11am PST. I'd love you to come and join us and many other incredible widows. The link to sign up to join us is in the show notes. So scroll down. It's also on my Instagram and my Facebook. You can send me a DM. I will send it to you. Let's do this. Let's come together. As we draw this very special episode to a close, I want to express my deepest gratitude, first and foremost, to all the incredible widows who shared their voices and their wisdom with us today. Your strength and resilience shines brightly and you are an inspiration to us all. Thank you so much. It really does mean the world that you took the time to do this and help me create something really quite special. I also want to thank all of you lovely, lovely listeners who have been with us through 100 episodes. Your support, your messages and your presence in our community, it really does mean the world to me. This podcast wouldn't be what it is without you. Please keep spreading the word. Let people know it's out there. I know it is so beneficial to so many people in a dark place. And we all need that little bit of light and hope in the darkness. Reflecting on my own journey as a widow and the remarkable accomplishment of reaching this 100th episode, I want to offer a message of hope. Life may have thrown us into the depths of darkness, but within that darkness, we find the strength to rise, the courage to heal, and the power to transform our pain into purpose. No matter where you are on your widow journey, remember that you are never alone. The love and connection you found here will continue to guide you. Embrace the memories of your loved one, cherish the moments of joy, and know that there is a community of widows standing beside you, ready to uplift and support. Come and join us on the 11th of January, and let's walk into the new year together. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for being part of the Widow Podcast. Together, we will continue to heal, grow, and share our wisdom with the world. Until next time, remember, you are stronger than you know, and you are never alone. Lots of love. Thank you so much for listening to The Widow Podcast with me, Karen Sutton. If you would like to be part of a supportive community of people who understand your grief, 
come and join my free Facebook group, Widowed and Rising. And make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Widow Podcast. Podcast.